It's a good show. Hey guys, I haven't had any oral surgery, so maybe I'll do the show announcements this week. We're coming to the Midwest starting this Thursday, October 4th. We're going to be in Indianapolis at Black Circle Brewing Company. The next day, we are going to go Hamtramck on your asses at the Planet Ant Black Box Theater in Hamtramck. That's somewhere near Detroit, I'm told. Then Saturday, October 6th, we're coming to Chicago. I'm very excited about that. We're going to be at North Bar. I think the at is important. It's integral to the name, so don't forget it. In Chicago, October 6th, you can get all those tickets right now. They're online, and we'll see you there. Then in next month in November, very excited to announce some dates. On Friday, November 2nd, we are going to be in Twin Falls, Idaho at the TF Brick House. And then Sunday, November 4th, we're coming back to Salt Lake City. We could not believe how great the turnout was last time, and then we have been pestered by a lot of people to come back. So here we are. We're coming back to Salt Lake City Sunday, November 4th. We're going to be at the Beehive Social Club on State Street in Salt Lake City. Tickets are available now. Go ahead and get them. It will sell out. I promise you. But now, he held to the iron rod. She has four iron rods in her mouth right now. I have eight iron rods in my mouth. Eight iron rods. And I think they're They continuing. are multiplying and replenishing your mouth. <laughs> You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just a radar. Listen to them talking to Mike. I have to slurp no, coffee why now. Did you, why would you bring the mic right as you were swallowing? Right into it. Anyway. So San Diego is a shithole. <laughs> and we're never coming back. I'm never coming back to San Diego. I apologize to the four fans <laughs> that we have in San Diego. And we're never going to see us again. But we had we had girlfriend of the year alert. Girlfriend of the year alert. Somebody brought their man to our show in San Diego last night as a surprise. He didn't know. He didn't know we were in town. Because worst fan of the year alert, <laughs> he doesn't listen to the podcast that he's so excited to see. I don't get him. Whatever. He didn't know we were going to be in San Diego. She kept it a secret from him and uh, like brought him to Martini's Above Fourth last night. And he's walking in and sees our faces on this poster. And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And uh, he is uh, he is 25% of our San Diego fan base. <laughs> Like he was stoked. He was so stoked. Uh, we had we had a full showroom. It was a, and it's a nice place. Martinis is was really really nice, and they treated us really nice. But uh, most of the crowd just didn't know who we were. They're you know they were, were excited to 
to give us a try, but they didn't know who we were. And I didn't know if that's what it, it was just is a quiet crowd It was a quiet, smiley crowd. For those of you who haven't been to like stand up shows much, uh, I don't know. Here's like in the in comedians speak, like just a little peek behind the curtain. Comedians, uh, act, like this little known fact, actually prefer crowds that laugh. <laughs> we like them. We like them laughing. We like them laughing. And uh, so it was a really quiet crowd that was. Uh, it it stand up comedy is an energy exchange it's a conversation dis- disguised as a monologue but you're going back and forth right and there are times when the crowd is giving you so much of themselves and it's this beautiful exchange it's not even very hard for you because the crowd is being so generous and you're giving pieces of yourself to them and then they're laughing back and like showing their gratitude for you doing that and it feels good and there are other shows where you all the heavy lifting is up to you where you the audience gives you nothing and you just have to keep going and keep going and that's what it felt like to me it was pretty tiring to and we got off stage uh you know tried to sell merch but no one was really buying anything and then we walk outside if we had just walked outside a little bit sooner, just like minutes, minutes earlier, uh, we would be in Los Angeles right now. <laughs> but instead, we're still in San Diego because our car got towed. Oh, my God. We So I didn't tell you this part. So we were driving around before, before picking this parking lot, this public parking lot in a part of town where it's all bars and stuff. And it was all metered parking. So when I pulled into this parking lot, it said it was $3 for parking. Right. Then when I went up to the machine, it was $3 an hour. And I'm like, well, that is a pretty intentionally deceptive sign, but whatever. We need three hours. There were two options on there. There was one to pay for three hours of parking or to pick uh, to pay $3 an hour. Or the other one was to stay until 2149 or 2159. And I don't do the fucking military. <laughs> so in my head, I was like, oh, that must be midnight. Because in my head, I'm like. <laughs> so close. So close. So in my head, I'm just like, you have a public parking lot next to a string of dance clubs. So, of course, this parking lot is open till bars close. There was a sign that said uh, these gates, gates close promptly at the posted times. And I looked, I saw that sign. I saw you looking at it. And I was like, where are the posted times? Yeah, I couldn't. Find and the I just times. I figured you must be reading the fine print over there. And I was yeah. like, she's probably got it. Yeah. And you were like, twenty one fifty nine. What a bunch of made up nonsense, <laughs> random numbers that someone put in a row. It's closed at twenty one fifty nine. Intentionally deceptive, though I think to put military time. Sure, it's predatory. It's predatory. The whole oh, thing wait, is you think military time is intentionally? No, but that for them to use that, knowing that most people their eyes just gloss over when it's military time. Most uh, most people. Most I only do. I only do it because in in because uh, I lived in in Italy and in Europe they go by the twenty four hour clock. They don't do AM PMs. I mean they do, but mo- all all signs in in Italy were posted in oh, like so okay. like there would be a lot of places. So I know just twenty one means nine. Okay, I know. Well, that, I, yeah, you should have paid for parking. I should have um, done it. So 
anyway, the whole the whole setup though is you have a parking lot right next to a bunch of bars. You close it at 10 p.m. It says because the gates close and then you get towed. But then when we walked out and our car was gone, the gate opened right. Like we opened the gate. The gate's not locked or anything. This is a completely arbitrary bullshit thing so that they can tow your car. I call the person who has my car and has had my car for 10 minutes. And it's $390. Yeah, and they're not back at the towing yard yet. They just left. They're just down the street. The tow The tow yard is like 15 minutes. It's the other side of a Beyonce concert. And they don't even have it there yet. Just bring it back to us. Bring it back. Bring it back. And all these all these tow people, they're all just like, yeah, can't do it. We can't. And I hate it when people say can't because I'm like, yeah, I mean, you can't. That's a, it's not true. When you say I can't do it, you're, just, you're not going to do it. Or you don't want to do it. Or the rule says you can't do it. But I mean, like, just to just say I can't, I can't do it. So we then embark on this adventure. We get uh, an Uber out to the tow yard, go through the whole yard. They don't have the car. Turns out uh, we had been sweet talking the wrong tow yard. I had become <laughs> great friends with Daryl. And I was like, Daryl, man, what a night, dude. And we were just being so polite and sugary sweet. It wasn't even the right tow yard. We had to go to a different one. And then... Uh... The thing that sucks is that Daryl... I was like, Daryl, this car's five days old. Mm. I don't have an insurance card. I don't have the registration. I don't have any of these things. And Daryl was chill. I just this car. And Daryl was like, yeah, who cares? You have ID. It's fine. Exactly. Unfortunately, Daryl didn't have our car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next lot. He had a really reasonable disposition. Yeah. But not our car. Yeah. Next lot. This guy. This guy had already. Uh, I had already talked to him a couple times on the phone, and I was trying to stay calm because, like, I was furious and do plan on uh, burning this entire. You know who I'm mad at today. Who are you mad at today? I'm mad at the the medical. Brett lot. Kavanaugh. Okay. The yeah, tow lot. lot. That's their job. That's their business. Whatever. It's a gross business, but that's what they do. And uh, that's what they say about comedians. Uh yeah, I feel like <laughs> I feel like the the owner of the lot is garbage. Oh, and of course. So uh, that's who I will he probably be owns tons of lots. He probably owns he probably owns all these lots, and it's just sick, gross. He's everything, everything. The sign was uh, the sign person. was deceptive. Not that I care about the difference between three dollars and nine dollars, but. The whole thing was just, it's set up. I bet they get a car every night, and I bet they get something from the, the tow people. So, if they don't own the tow company. Um, so, I I don't like to, employees, I fucking hate it when people take shit out on employees. It's like, this dude is a tow truck driver. Like, I'm not going to abuse an employee. This dude probably gets cussed out by every single person all day long, which find a better job. But I, I don't shit on employees for things that are outside of their control. So we get there and this guy is so first I've called him twice first for him to tell me $390. And uh, then when we get to the right tow yard, he's like, Oh, I just left. So while while we were talking to Daryl across the street, he leaves. And so now we have to sit there for 20 more minutes to wait to get the car. And when I was like, are you kidding me? And he's like, I don't know, man, I have to do this other thing. Like he's, he's so frustrated. He's, he's... Yeah. I said, I remember saying one thing really calmly and quietly uh, and then him jumping on it. And I was like, yeah, man, it's okay. It's okay. He was it's so all right. upset. It's all right. He said, cause he was talking about how you didn't have, 
uh, insurance card. And I was like, well, your insurance probably got a 24-hour number. We can call them and they can um, email something maybe. And he's just like, I don't have access to a computer. And I was like, well, I, I, man, I'm just I'm just brainstorming, yeah. just spitballing. Because it's ridiculous that you won't let us just walk out of here with the car. That I have keys to. That you have keys to that you have insurance for. You just, just bought it and you don't have the proof for it on you. Like it's just – it, it, it's just a scam to keep your car. What's what's the law? Uh, it's just it's. So... I bet there probably is a law saying that they can't release cars to uh, that aren't insured, and that are, um, you know, they have to be released to the owner. I could see that there's probably a law there that they have to have a paper trail because they were. Yeah. But he just, you could tell he's used to getting cussed out. And mm-hmm. so you could tell. So then he walked, I walked back with him and he was flustered. He dropped his phone. He's just cussing to himself. And then I the was The phone like, that he doesn't have any, he doesn't have any internet computer access people. Yeah. There's no way anyone could email him. Yeah. They don't uh, own a printer at this place. <laughs> so then he comes out of the truck and I was like, I'm just going to Jessa him into a uh, calm state and within just like a minute i was just like oh, long day huh and then he just like his whole you his started whole, scratching like, his head you were giving him a massage like, his shoulders dropped and he was like let's go find your stuff and just like walked me back to the car and then was really wanted me to like by the time we got back to the truck because before that he's like nope sorry can't have it like I, there's nothing i could do these are the rules these are the rules and we get back to the car and he just like wants to do it for me and he's like ah, i guess we could use uh, but i had nothing i had nothing that had my name and this car on the same document then his boss rolls in and he's like my boss is here i can't do anything And so then I go to leave and then the boss asks what we were doing and he tells the boss and then they, they try to do something for us. And so I take the temporary tag and if even my hand, if my name had been handwritten on the temporary tag in the window, they could have done it. They were going to let me slide on the insurance and, but there was nothing with my name on it. And he was like, I just, nothing in the car had your name, nothing in the car. I had taken the the wrong envelope out of the car because there's an envelope of like bullshit and then the envelope with all the paperwork. When you buy a new car. Yeah. Know. And I, because I bought the car and then, anyway. So, uh, then we have to wait forever for another Uber. But it's cheaper to pick it up today than it was yesterday. And I refuse. When stuff like this happens, I refuse to freak out. I refuse to freak out. 400 bucks. I'm not giving that any power. I'm not giving that. You don't get, you got what you had coming. I'm not fighting this. I'm mad. And I'll take it out on uh, if if I feel like it was an intentional predatory thing, uh, it's probably not going to work out great for the person spells. that did it. Yeah, I will uh, will awful things manipulate onto you. this video game to mm-hmm. your detriment. It'll cost you more than the four hundred dollars you got for me. Uh, and I love when you were getting real furious last mm-hmm. night in the very beginning. You were just like, yeah, well, when uh, your business burns down and your life goes to shit and your kids start dying one by one. <laughs> Why don't you mail me a check for $390 so it'll stop? How about? And I was like, yeah, get them just, get them just. I think that's the one thing that you've taught me so well. So I don't let those things get me that upset anymore either. Also, I don't know if you taught me that or if marijuana taught me that. Like, I'm just real chill all the time now because I'm, I'm stoned. And I'm just like, normally I'd be upset. But I'm like, yeah, hey, man, you know what? No, money's money. What do you want? What are we going to do? What are you, you going to do? 
But I I used to stuff like this would drive me nuts, and I'm glad that I can be a little bit chiller now. I did try myself. Jess has taught me a lot about. Um, Jess is not like a like a, a a witch lady or something, unless you ask certain groups of uh, <laughs> Eastern European <laughs> Eastern European men <laughs> who have her name on a most wanted witches list. Uh, but they she. You 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 talk a lot about I don't know it's like a, a energy kind of magic where you 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 know you you manifest things and you think about things yeah. and you tell me like you you you've you've told me that uh, that coming is very powerful magic and if you think about something that you want while you're coming yeah. that that's very uh, good and so I I've I've come multiple times while imagining uh, us getting a show on Netflix. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just that, da dong. <laughs> but I come, <laughs> da dong. Uh, last night, I tried I tried a little bit. Ethan and I had just seen a clock with a house in its, uh, a clock with a house in its walls. Um, it's a weird <laughs> clock. It's a weird clock. It's got an entire house in its walls. Uh <laughs> And uh, they they in that movie they talk about like everybody's got magic, but you there's no rules for it. It's just whatever is inside of you, however you want to express it. That's how you do your magic and stuff. And so last night when we opened the gates to that locked gate parking lot, uh, I I wanted to leave behind some something. So I just I just peed in a in a circle. <laughs> I stood in the middle of the parking lot and I and I pulled my 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 dick out and then started peeing and I just turned it in a full 360 degrees <laughs> and peed this part. It's just like it's. A, I looked around and I was like, "This is incredible." <laughs> the you know like the, the that old story like a king wanted to see how good of an artist was this. Is it about Michelangelo or something? All he does to prove what a good artist he is, is he draws a perfect circle freehand. He just draws a circle and sends that back it to the was king. A perfect and I did circle. that with my penis. I, um, okay. So the basic premise of magic for manifestation, and I'm not talking like some strict school of magic because, uh, I don't see magic as a religion. Uh, not anything against people who do, but imagine we are creating this reality. We've been creating, you have been creating your reality this entire time. You just didn't know it. So magic is a way. So there's a macrocosmic version of yourself and a microcosmic version of yourself and doing magic ritual or whatever is a way to on earth. You kind of, you take something that represents what you want and you either destroy it if it's something you want to get rid of or you cultivate it if it's something you want to grow or create. And it's just kind of this way on earth to help yourself, like making a vision board or something like this. You know, right. I don't like I don't like the secret version of manifesting reality because I think it's it's way dumbed down and it's this idea that just constantly generating pot like just but even in the thoughts. secret you can see the threads there that are yeah. similar we're like because I can that's one of the things I thought of when you started talking to me about manifesting I was like oh yeah I know people that would call this vision board you know yeah. that would talk about I, the, pow I mean, I love the power of visualization 
I love the idea when the secret came out. I was like, oh man, here it comes. Here comes this big awakening because it became very mainstream. And I think it became very mainstream because it resonates with people. I think that there is something in us that knows that we are creating this reality. But it, it oversimplified it, which I think is kind of. And it's also all just about money, man. It's just yeah, money, 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 I think, money, which is a gross feeling. I think there are, but that's the first thing that people want to know. They want to know uh, love and and money. And those are two different, can I talk a little bit about reality? Uh, yeah, it's your podcast, man. So what it used to feel like, reality used to feel like to me, and manifesting reality used to feel like this stationary landscape. And I could create everything that I wanted through A, attraction. So if I wanted like love, or uh, relationships or someone to come into my life to, to be a part of this or whatever. That's something I would attract to myself. That's something that I would uh, pull to myself. And you do that without force. There's something about when you want to create things, it is, it's in your gut and you can't push too hard. So when you, think I want an, when you think I want a Netflix special and it has a desperation behind it, it has, I'm not saying you, but like I'm, an example... It has a desperation, a need, uh, a, a burning. It won't. You won't manifest it. There has to. It's this detached attraction because you're pulling it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you want something too bad, that pushes. And so that takes a which long time. I believe in people. You know, yeah. you, anytime somebody wants something from me or wants me too much. Uh, yeah repels me i'm like oh okay all right exactly yeah um so that learning how to do that learning how to let life happen that's where the acceptance is so important so when this is not happening got pushed back and it was going to have to be a year and i was like that doesn't feel real but i didn't give it any like i didn't give that loss any power because it would have pushed it and i just i so i accept there's a ton of accepting things that i can't change i make sure i can't change them first but then i just let the let the thing happen i don't give it too much power and then it rolls back to me um and that happens all the time this car situation where my car got stolen and i just wanted my car back at first and when it became obvious i wasn't going to get my car back i was like okay well this is everything is always happening for my benefit, even if I can't see it. So I got a really good deal on that car. I don't see how the fuck I'm going to get a better deal, but okay, I'll let this happen. And so I start looking for ways that this is in my best interest. And I realized that I could get a smaller car that is nicer. I mean, that car was only 16 months old. So that was part of the reason I was upset, but uh, that was nicer and it would save me on gas and would be a better road car. And as soon as I started to get excited, I felt myself get the wrong kind of excited, the uh, antsy to have it excited. And then the next day they found my stolen car. And then I uh, was already attached to an outcome. And I felt like this entire car situation was a lesson in, in like succinct manifestation. And so they found my stolen car and I was upset and I was like, nope, I will accept whatever reality here. And so I force myself to accept that I have to take the old car back and I start looking for why that might be my benefit. And then there's the thoughts in the back of my head. They're like, this whole thing happened for no reason. This has been an inconvenience. And I'm like, nope, I do want that new car. And it feels like I should be able to have that new car. And I don't know why I'm not getting it, but I will accept whatever happens. And then the 
the week that the old car was supposed to be getting fixed, suddenly they found a million other things wrong with it that I swear when I looked at it, I didn't see. But I got I got to get my new car. So it used to feel like a landscape and I attracted things to myself and I set intentions and a lot of things like career stuff. You decide that you want something and then you 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 act as if it's not a choice. And that's the thing that a lot of that I feel was missed in the secret. You can't just make a vision board and then go go on living your life as someone uh, who doesn't have any of those things. If you want, the example I use is if you want a new apartment. You ever seen somebody talk about how they want a new apartment or they want a new car? And then you're like, go get it. And they're like, I can't. I'm waiting to make more money. And they're just waiting for this, this, this landslide of money to appear out of nowhere or these means to appear out of nowhere. They can't, they don't, they don't ever do it because they're keeping it somewhere that I call fantasy land, which is like back burner and you're not making any steps towards it. But if you put that same person in a situation where their current landlord said, I'm selling this house, you got to get out. They would find a way to get that new apartment because they have to. And all of a sudden they would take the steps and the means would become available. Same thing with the car. If their car broke down, they would find a way to get that new car. They would take it out of fantasy land once and put it into have to and they would make those steps and so the trick is if you want something put it in front of you and decide that there's no option other than to get it and if I have to have this in this amount of time what steps would I take to get it and that path will just light up yeah and open up for you in after we saw the uh the clock with the clock within its house uh we <laughs> i was talking to you about what my magic would be cuz there's the kid loved dictionary so his magic was about definitions this is a very lame kid and his very lame <laughs> magic uh jack black loved saxophone so he made magic through saxophone and Kate Blanchett loved being a sexy stone cold fox and so all of her magic came from being a sexy ass woman Kate Blanchett could get it man I cannot I want to get I you know I almost uh there's this movie called Notes on a Scandal that I saw at the library that I almost picked up because it's a, uh, a movie about Kate Blanchett having an affair with her student and I'm like oh, yeah God, give it to me uh, but I was thinking about what my magic would be, and I thought a lot about how uh, it would probably be religion. It would probably be uh, faith stuff. Like I used to pray and see little miracles, right? Like I would, yeah. uh, but and I, at that time, I was like, I prayed, I asked God nicely, and it was within God's will, and and He saw fit to bless me with this. But now you might call that manifesting, right? Like yeah. You want you were. Uh, if I was just talking to myself and myself, my higher self made something happen for me. Right. And I do think religion taught me what you just said. We talked all the time in church about faith and action, how, um, faith without works is dead. Yeah. We talk about that a lot in, in Mormon church that faith is, the word faith is is a, is an active it's an active word it's not passive it's not waiting if you have faith that god will do something then you're out doing making it happen right. because you know that it's about to happen so you're out taking steps like in in church all the time they 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 taught me that principle over and over again that praying and asking for god to do something is dumb 
if you're not going to go out and do all the steps as if it was about as if it's going to happen you have to go out and you have to you have to do it and i don't i don't think i ever really used it for much anything outside of outside of religious things yeah i don't yeah. know um but uh and now in, in I'm trying to, I'm at a point where I'm trying to reconcile my religious past with the things that I believe now and trying to figure out, you know, what what pieces of this old life am I can I keep? I've so far the last couple of years I've just kind of shunned it. I've just taken a break, haven't really thought about it, but uh there's some nice things about it that I don't I don't have answers for anymore and it's kind of freeing to not have to uh have definite answers. I can be like, well that just makes me feel good. We before podcasts, before shows, we often uh, will do some sort of exercise to get into a good zone before a show. Yeah, and and I I I love it. I love it. We will stand in front of each other with our eyes closed and just try to feel the other person a lot, right? And that when I did improv comedy as a <laughs> teenager. I remember doing exercises like that because stand-up comedy is a solo. It's a lone wolf game, you know. You don't really work a, as a team, but because we're always doing stuff together as a team, it, we've, we feel power in each other's uh, presence, so we like to do stuff like this. But it takes me back to when I the, – the only other time I did stuff as a group was an improv in high school and we would do warm up things, exercise things to get everyone to trust, like trust exercises to get everyone on the same page. There was one game where everyone would stand in a circle. No one's touching each other. Your hands are down by your side or whatever. And you're staring, everyone's staring at their own feet and you have to count as high as you can. One person says one number at a time, but there's no, there's no rhythm circle or whatever. Like there's no, we're not going in clockwise or counterclockwise. It's, uh, you have to feel. You have to feel when your teammates are going to say something. Because any time two people talked at once, you had to start back at zero, right? So someone would say one. Someone else in the circle would say two. Someone else would say three. Then two people said four at the same time. We go back to zero. And no, no, there are no other words besides the numbers. No one says who's going to start out by saying number one. So sometimes you're like, so two people said four. And then two people said one and you're like, fuck, we're, you know, you already, and it's just, it's an exercise about getting you to listen to each other, feeling each other without saying anything. Wow. It's really cool. Yeah. And so, uh, we've got like a more mystical version of this game where we're just, we're just sitting there trying to, to, to sync up our chakras or what have you. And, uh, it feels good. One time before a podcast. I was probably just high or whatever. I was like, let's say a prayer. I'll say a prayer before we do a podcast, which is something I would do all the time. As a more, I would pray before everything. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved sanctifying whatever I was about to do, like setting it aside for a purpose, stating what that purpose was, asking for God's help to achieve that purpose. And like it, it, I felt like it was a... Uh, it calmed me. It made me feel very zen. It made me feel uh, safe and secure. And I used to love praying. I used to pray all the time until I got so guilty in God's presence. And I stopped praying because I was like, God doesn't want to talk to me. But I, I, I haven't prayed in years and I kind of missed it. And like out of nowhere, I was like, let's just pray for this podcast. And all I did was pray for the podcast. I prayed to myself instead of to God, <laughs> which is uh, funny. But it felt great. 
Yeah. I felt like, ah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm using that, I'm right? using my magic powers, my my Jack Black saxophone. It was a great episode, and I listened to the prayer when I edited it. Did we record the we prayer? Did record the prayer. What? What did I say? It was just a great prayer. Nice yeah, I'm good at to, those. I'm good at those. To ourselves, I think. I remember, like, women coming up to me and being like, "You, you pray so well," and I'm like, "You know, I'm just glory be to God." You know, <laughs> God is me. I am God. Give me the glory. Give me the glory. We kind of touched on something. I was going to talk about the time that we did a magic ritual together. Oh yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. So uh, Jessa was talking about you take things that here in the physical world and you either uh destroy it or you jerk off onto it or something. these are the two <laughs> i just want to say also that my um i i don't subscribe to the idea that there's one way to do magic and uh so please if you're wiccan don't send us an email and tell us that we did it wrong i believe that whatever <laughs> things represent to you is how you do your magic and it doesn't have to be according to the rules. So Do we can send emails? Why does that bum me out? I wish that they would just send a Some salamander. Some chill and get it. And other ones are like, no, actually, if you wanted to destroy something, you need to uh, draw your circle and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, listen, that's how you do it. That's fine. Uh, I was taught by aliens. And I'm, I nervous. Alien I'm too magic. nervous about believing too strictly in magic because I feel like then that's when you get cursed. And if you if you keep if you don't believe too much, then they can't. I just watched the skeleton key when I was oh, a I kid. Didn't know if that came from and that, religion or what? Nah, but uh, well, I don't. I love. I like. I like scary movies. I like them. Um, I think that they're that they're fun, and I don't. It's not like I don't. I believe in all this stuff and scary is ghosts and stuff but i will i would never fuck around with it i'll never i'll never touch a ouija board because why the fuck would i every every example i've ever seen someone in like being like oh yeah fucking touch this ouija board why would you roll that dice why would you be like yeah yeah let's summon a demon yeah you're in <laughs> great the uh best case scenario it uh, doesn't work. Like nothing happens. But what if you summon a demon? That was Have my shit when about... I was a teenager. I used to talk to a boy named Tug. That's a demon. No, I don't. Demons are like. Uh... Is he a dead boy? Yeah. You you talked to a boy. dead boy named mm -hmm. Tug for a long time. For a long time through a Ouija board or mm -hmm. what? Through a Ouija board, yeah. <gasps> What did he say? And we tried to get rid of the Ouija board, and it kept coming back, which is a th thing that they do. Yeah, but fucking... Mm. <laughs> like, I swear to God, we gave it to Goodwill three times, and it was uh, just, I grew out yeah. of it. And in the it beginning, was back in my room, and I was like, didn't we get rid of this fucking thing? Is it the beginning of The Conjuring? Or is it the beginning of Con Conjuring 2? Where they, Annabelle is introduced, which then like she got her own fucking spinoff movies. But what there's this doll. These these people are like the they like take this doll in, and then they the the doll starts is is possessed, and so then they give they give a demon permission to inhabit the doll. Which big mistake right there. Don't give a permission to a demon. If you give a demon a cookie. Uh, that demon will uh, rape your family. <laughs> Do not, you cannot give a demon. There's a, a very popular a children's series uh, book. 
that will explain this in detail. But anyway, anyway good, they good they, they give they give the this doll permission, and then the doll keeps showing up, and they're like talking to this doll. They're like Annabelle. We told you, fuck that. You burn that doll down and move. move. Oh my god, oh, demons! Why they don't they freak me out? So I'm scared to believe in stuff too much. Yeah. Because then that's how they get you, man. As soon as you believe in it, then they can, uh, we can persecute do a you. Episode on demons, but well, the, the, this and then we're just adding to the list of episodes that we'll never do. I know. Please write this one down. We have someone now who's uh, chronicling all of the episodes <laughs> we claim that we're going to do one day. No, Listen, and the never episodes do. decide themselves. They decide themselves, but. Uh, d- like Sedona, the de- demons in the occult kind of freak me out. Like, yeah, it's all hype. It's yeah. hype. It's hype. They want you to be afraid. Yeah, you deal with demons every day. Demons are what, what you think they are. Whatever. I feel like Tug just poisoned your mind. <laughs> that's what. That's what exactly. That's exactly what a demon would say. I think a demon's gonna come straight out and be like, "I'm gonna rape your family in front of you." No, he's he like, "I'm just, I'm family. just a normal boy." My name's Tug. I like to talk on this Ouija board. I'm just lonely, Jessa. So we went to Sedona to do magic. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I did acid. We recorded Aaron's on acid there. Uh, but we also uh, brought along a piece of Tabitha. Uh, just arm. just, just her toes. <laughs> now, nah, it's just, it was a piece of a plant. Can I tell the plant story? Yes, please do. Settle in, folks. Here comes a story. <laughs> Tabitha liked plants. Tabitha started buying house plants in the last couple years of our marriage. And um, I was just like a dick about it. I wasn't always a dick, but I, I often was a dick. She'd come home with another plant. And this is old Aaron who was so obsessed with money, who was so stressed about money. And I would always be mad that she'd buy another plant. And I'm all I'm very minimalist. I'll never, like, beautify my house or anything on, on my own accord because I'm like, oh, that's – why would I spend that money, you know? And she's just buying money on more plants. And I'm like, how many plants do we need? And blah, blah, blah. And it's not like I was always a dick. Like, I also, like, would buy her plants just at a just, – just because. Just because I noticed she likes them and I saw one that I thought was pretty and I just wanted her to know that I loved her even though I was an unbearable dick all the time. And we got a lot of plants. I think that I was jealous. I was jealous that I was – I – wanted so badly for her to show me some sort of love and affection and she just wouldn't. And she would love those plants, you know, because they're, they're work. You have to water them yeah. and this plant needs water this much time. And that plant needs this and this plant needs sunlight. And she was like learning stuff. She was like researching plants and that made me jealous. Like I was mad that she was like doing something with her life, right? Like it right. was, it's all very uh, weird. Like, why would I? Why did it bother me? Why, why did it bother me so much? I want, like, I was rude. I when she first got it, I was like, whatever. You know, you're gonna let that plant die, which is not a very nice, supportive no. uh, uh, mindset from your husband. And but I was just, I mean, I'm like, I know you. You're gonna let that plant die, and uh, she did. She absolutely did. But. <laughs> She bought another one and she bought another one and she got good at it. She got good at it. And I was like mad that she got good at it. You know, like I wanted them all to die so I could be proved correct and stuff. And uh, I was just mad that she like 
it's weird. I think this is just how codependent I was that she had an interest that wasn't my interest. And so that bothered me. You know, I think, uh, she, the, the biggest thing though, is just that I didn't, I wasn't feeling loved and, uh, was jealous of all these plants. So then comes the day that she leaves and she moves out and she's taking all this stuff out of the apartment over a week, two weeks, something. And the apartment's just getting emptier. There's furniture missing. It's now this place seems gigantic. There's just this big empty space that I pace all night long and I don't sleep. And the, all the plants are disappearing, you know, just a few at a time. She's taking a few plants with her and then coming back and taking a few plants. And it was just this perfect visual representation of how empty and barren my life was going to be without her. And it was unbearable to just slow to watch in slow motion as this shelf of plants disappeared. And when there was just one, there was one plant left and I begged her to let me have it. I was just like, please, please. It's so, it's so empty and ugly here. Can I please just have this one plant? And, uh, she said, yeah. And then I went to work reading about plants. Uh, you know, I never shared her interest before, but now that right. it's too late, I'm learning how to take care of this plant. I'm learning how to water it, how much it needs. When I'm going away on trips, I'm like worried about the plant. I'm like, I hope that it's okay when I get back. I'm asking my roommates to check on the plant while I'm gone for weeks at a time, you know, and I just wanted it to be. So I kept, I kept that plant for uh a year, a year at least, I guess. Year no, and a half. A year and a half, yeah, a year and a half until Sedona. And I realized at some point that I was not keeping it as a, as a shrine to Tabitha. I was not keeping it as a way to keep that memory alive. I was keeping it to punish myself. I was not happy when I saw the plant in my house, in my new apartment, because I took it when I moved and stuff, and it never made me happy. I looked at that plant, and I was sad every time. Every time I saw that plant, I felt guilty. It was a, a visual, physical embodiment of all the things I did wrong in my marriage. It was proof of how awful I was and how shitty of a husband I am and I fucking watered it. I wa I took I cared for my self hatred. I just mm-hmm. I uh made sure I kept that guilt alive, you know? I and I went when these thoughts all hit me one day, I thought I should not have this plant anymore. I should let this go. So I gave the plant away to, to someone else and cut off a little piece of it and took that little piece to Sedona where I did acid and we took a walk and I I, I split off from you and I started climbing these rocks and I found an altar that was hidden. It was a hidden altar in Sedona. Someone had already taken rocks and like formed a, a circle, a, a perfect circle as if they had urinated it in a, a <laughs> 
just just a perfect they had built these this circle of rocks uh, and it was all and it was hidden away and it was like in plain sight but you couldn't see it unless you climbed up and got over top of it and so i put the the piece of the flower or sorry plant in that's that rock circle and we set it on fire in in that little altar and i was just trying to kill my guilt i was trying to forgive myself i was trying to absolve myself of this pain and be and just not carry it around anymore and it totally worked it totally worked the the change that i felt after sedona in all of my interactions with tabitha was immense i still have not forgiven myself for everything but do you remember when we first started this podcast, I had a plan. I was like, uh, one of the episodes I would like to do is called Everything I Did Wrong in My Marriage. Yeah, I would like to spend an hour. I was like to spend an hour talking about. Was it? Oh, was it really? Yeah, that was on the same trip. And that was the plan. Sedona. <laughs> there was a fundamental shift after that. I still I feel like I, maybe I need to burn some more stuff. But uh, because I, I, I really could stand to be a little easier on myself forgive a few things let them go but that was at least a huge step in the in the right direction and it was magic it was a magic spell a ceremony thing and we you're right we didn't like pull out the official wiccan guideline or whatever just did what felt right it did uh what felt symbolic to to me what felt good to me and it was a powerful mental shift that took place afterwards where I was nicer to myself. I because I was nicer to myself, it was easier to interact with my ex-wife and easier to interact with my son and stuff. And yeah, I think we we tried recording an episode once called Guilt is Garbage and it just never made it to the air cuz that episode was garbage. Yeah, <laughs> Guilt is Garbage is garbage. But uh it really is a useless emotion. It's well, at least it's counterproductive, if not useless. It's it's very I think guilt is a form of regret, and regret says that this happened not for a reason. And I know that people like to shit on everything happens for a reason now, but what you're saying is that mistakes exist. You're saying that because you didn't like something or because it didn't turn out the way that you wanted to turn it out, that that experience didn't have value. And when you when you decide that experiences don't have value, you render yourself incapable of seeing how those experiences benefited you. You rob yourself of the opportunity to learn from those mistakes. You rob yourself of seeing what's right in front of your face. And it's like, yeah, you lost this thing because you made a mistake, but look what you gained. And if you really look at it, if you stop swimming in a pool of regret or, or guilt and look at what is in front of you, it's better. It's better. It's always better. But that perception has to shift. And it's like you end up you end up clinging to, uh, even last night, I don't know what the point of that was, but there's a point. I'll tell you that that'll be a funny story in a year. And uh, if that hadn't happened, it's an experience that we had together. It's a Mormon in the meth head a funny adventure. Some of these funny adventures suck. Some of this journey is hard. Some of it is uh, not easy, but it's it's uh, our journey and it's 
part of our story. And I love these, as the podcast is starting to take off, I love these uh, these tours where we break even sometimes if we're lucky. And I love these uh, fuck up things that happen. And I love these stories that become part of our history. And in a year when things are easier and uh, I love that we have built this this time where things weren't eat. so as it was happening last night it was like I don't this is not a mistake I didn't look at the sign I looked for the sign I didn't find it so there's a reason I didn't find it and on bigger things there are mistakes they're giant mistakes I've made you know I fucked over my oldest daughter pretty hard and it was hard to not swim in that guilt and uh and I see evidence every day in how she benefited how everyone benefited from that. And she sees that, you know, because she also uh, knows that guilt is garbage. Mm. But go ahead. You weren't going to say something else. Yeah. I was going to say something, but it's lost now. I don't know. Okay. Um, I think we are all magic. I do believe in magic. I do believe that people have magic powers just like in, I don't know, when I watch, when I watch movies like The X-Men, walls with a house in its clock? Yeah, when the, with the clocks and the clock and the walls. Uh, when I watch X-Men, that rings true to me. I think that we are all walking around with a bunch of our own personal brand of magic and we have just been told that magic doesn't exist, so we just walk around with it and don't use it. And I can tell you what my best powers are, and I use them, and I just live a life where they where magic exists. And I, you know, I I've been quiet about it on the podcast because I do understand that I could possibly just have a brain tumor. I do understand mm-hmm. that I could just be insane. Does it still works? Like it works for me, but I do think that everyone has magic and could use it. For me, the pressure of not having to have a definitive answer right. is uh, – that that was burdensome to me. That was the, what I did wrong when I was religious was that I had to have an explanation for everything. And now I am just way more chill and I just go, okay, well, if that happened, then it happened. If that's how you – if you believe that, then you believe that. If, if this didn't happen, then it didn't happen. Like – Last night saying, I don't know why. I don't know why it happened, but it did. And, and okay, I don't need to know. I feel yeah. like old religious me would have been upset until I'd seen the proof of why God ha- had, uh, allowed, had, had allowed me to miss that sign. God allowed my car to be towed and I would need, I need to get to the bottom of what I was supposed to learn or do or what was supposed to happen and blah, 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 blah. And now it's just a a way more relaxing ride through life, which I enjoy. Yeah. My superpower that you, you made me believe in the soup that I, you talk about the way I emote and, and help other people. I might what I'm starting don't anyone make fun of me for this. I'm starting to believe in my power to emote. <laughs> like to to make people feel my feelings and uh the way that that you talk to me about it just is the the thing that made me realize what uh that it was that it was something special that not everyone can do. That not everybody can uh make everybody feel all these feelings 
And that's like what I try to do on stage and in conversation and stuff. I just, I always knew I wore my heart on my sleeve and that I just bled on everyone and everyone yeah. <laughs> all the time. But I never thought of that as a mutant capability, you know? And it's so much more fun to think about uh, instead of just being a, a weird, a weird sad boy with a lot of feelings. Can You'd I be like, I go to Dr. Xavier's school for gifted youth. <laughs> And they teach me uh, how to properly express my feelings. Can how I do you see, how it? I see it? Yeah, how do you see uh, it? I see it when your when your feelings come out, like you're standing in the middle of a dark room, and uh, I don't know why they come out of your back instead of your chest in this, but they come, they unfold like wings, like like if you had giant angel wings hidden inside of you, like they unfold like that, but then it fills the whole room with yellow. Uh, red and orange and um, the way I saw it was you thinking that this was that it takes you a long time to put it back afterwards like after they come out and I see you um, like shame or like uh, like they fill the room with the most beautiful colors and energy but then uh, the the demeanor with you is not to say incredible Hulk, but there's a, there is a, don't make me do that. Like, I don't want to let these out. And then like embarrassed that this, these big, beautiful wings are out now. And that this whole room is filled with this, this, this magic of yours. And then it takes you a long time to put it back. And, uh, and just kind of this, this shame almost of yeah. well, until they go back. Well, and, that's, that is so much like an X-Men movie. In X3, the worst of the X-Men movies, uh, there's a guy, there's Archangel is a, is, a, is a kid, and he's got beautiful, beautiful angel wings, but he's ashamed of them because society think, and his dad think he's a freak. And so, yeah. That's, oh, that's uh, interesting. Maybe I saw that, and that's where the imagery came from, but um, that was the sensation where I... Uh, ordinarily, like before you came along, and someone that's like emotions, ugh, you know, like what, what, what a way to get mm -hmm. fucked over. Mm -hmm. um, and I just didn't have a ton. Like I just didn't. I would like allow myself, uh, you know, an hour to have an emotional. But this is kind of how you saw me last night. With that, this is kind of how I've been for a long time, and that's kind of how I was about everything. And I would get, I would freak out sometimes, but I just very quick process with me and emotions. And, uh, you were the first person that I was like, Oh, emotions are beautiful. What? Like, like how powerful that is. And your ability to immediately assess what you're feeling is amazing. It's amazing. And then you're empathetic on top of that, which I think gives you the ability to identify, what other people are feeling, which, which goes into another part of your magic, which is discernment, which was in your patriarchal blessing. And is also what was told to me by a prophetess when I was a Christian, that I would have the gift of discernment, which is absolutely like my primary gift, which is, it doesn't matter what you're telling me, uh, uh, what people are saying, I can hear the subtext and have been able to do that for a really long time. I can also hear usually the core fear driving someone uh, if I'm not emotionally attached to the outcome. Yeah, if I can get real 
open and honest. I feel like I'm already opening myself up for a lot of people to give me weird looks. Uh, I, I, yeah, I've always been able to discern what people, I, I've, it's more like I can, I hear what you're feeling and you, I can, and it's, uh, it used to confuse me a lot more than it did. And now I am, I'm a little bit more adept at, uh, talking to people and, and separating what they're saying and what I'm hearing. And I can, I can, uh, I can better identify stuff. And I, but it it is something that makes, that had, that did make interactions really awkward for a long time. And I think it really hurt a lot of stuff in my relationship too, because someone tells me something and I know right away that that's not true. I'm like, that's not what you really think. Yeah. And that just gets me sucked into fights a lot of the time, you know? And because what I found out is that a lot of people don't know what they're feeling. Yeah. They're self I thought everyone was, I thought everyone, so I would just be like, Tabitha, why are you lying? And she doesn't think that she is. Yeah. She thinks that she's telling the truth. And it's weird for me uh, to feel lied to and feel like you can't trust people. And, um, I think also it's just skeptical, cynical. Anytime someone's words didn't line up with what I heard, uh, I just assumed the worst. I assumed that they're lying to me because like for some nefarious thing yeah. and not just because there's something else. There's just, there's a reasonable explanation going on for why they feel uncomfortable. And I'm just picking up on that uncomfortable feeling yeah. and be like, they're lying to me, you know, but I don't know if I'm making any sense. Maybe I should have gone slower, started differently. But I I thought everyone could do it. I never thought that it was a power, that it was unique, that it was a gift, that whatever. I just thought everyone I thought everyone could pick up on nonverbal cues like I could. There was like and it wasn't until I, I started openly talking about it with you and being like, Yeah, well you know how uh you can you can tell like when people you know and then I started talking to other people about it after I talked to you about it because I wanted more, and I found out uh, not everyone does this. No, a lot of people just you know they I I th- I thought it was just a thing like you know you can read someone's body language you can you can tell like where their eyes are looking there's all these a hundred little things that your brain doesn't consciously register but subconsciously you you're you're smart enough to pick up on a bunch of different clues to tell what someone really means and then I found out oh no it's just that's a that's a cool unique it's a cool unique gift that yeah. I have and I'm starting to like pay attention to it a lot more and it is just a quiet thing where i just keep to myself most of the time there's a lot of people talk about me being <laughs> like you're this girl this girl is like it's so funny when you just get distant and i was like fuck off i'm distant because you're lying to me <laughs> you lie you, you you've said three lies in a row and so i don't talk to you anymore it's not and i like take in distance because blah blah I just that's 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 what I do. I don't say anything to anyone any anymore. I I same thing with God. You know, I'm not I'm not searching to put a definitive answer. I just am giving more credence to my own intuition. And my intuition says uh that person's lying to me. 
So I just keep it to myself and I'm like, I'm not going to tell that person secrets anymore because I don't think I can trust that person. You know? Yeah. I think that that is at the core of all uh, magic and happiness is everything is it, it, trusting yourself, not needing, not needing it to exist. It's fun. It's exciting. It's always exciting when I uh, discover something and I'm like something in the ether, this part of myself and I uh, want to do another voices episode where I've, I've, I've started to identify more of that. And then I'm, I'm just researching stuff on the internet and I find something about subpersonalities. And I'm like, oh, there's a name for this. Like in psychology, there's a name for this thing that I identified before. Because that's how I know it's real is I identified it myself. I understand it myself. And then the fact that it already exists in the collective uh, is ex- a fun, exciting uh, thing but it doesn't make it real what makes it real is what I'm experiencing and what I know to be true and what I feel and what lines up with my intuition um, we have to go to a tow yard now and <laughs> uh, try to prove that you own this car <laughs> uh, before we go this this week we are going to the Midwest and would love to see you guys if you if you live out there. Uh, we're going to Indianapolis first on Thursday, October 4th at Black C- Circle Brewing. I almost said Black wow. City. Black Circle Brewing, I'm pretty sure, in Indianapolis, October 4th. Friday the 5th, we're going to like Ham Samick, uh <laughs> Ham, Sam, salmon truck, uh, ham truck. It's near. Let's just let's let's call it Detroit. All right, let's call it Detroit, and that's at Planet Ant Black Box Theater, um, in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why this show starts at, at the witching hour, but it does. And then Saturday, October sixth, we are at North Bar at. At North Bar in Chicago, and we're we got a bunch of people come to that show. We're excited, um, and uh, hopefully you laugh. Hopefully you all uh, laugh uh, at at the sh- at the joke out, out loud. Like don't do it to yourself. You. There were people <laughs> whispering during your set last night. He's so great. Yeah, <laughs> it's the fucking word. <laughs> when people are like, "That's that's really good. Thank you." <laughs> There is a way Thank to do you. that. There is. There's already a, a defined way. I guess you're just living your own truth, <laughs> and uh, you're you're not the laughing kind of person. You're the kind. You're a positive verbal affirmation kind of person. Uh, you don't believe in onomatopoeia. You want real, real words. But uh, yeah, then uh, there's. That's all the shows that we have coming up in October. In Billings, Montana. Oh yeah, we're doing a show on Wednesday. To to Wednesday. It doesn't matter. Big Big Sky Comedy Fest. It's where Jess and I first met. It's where uh, we started this. The idea for this podcast last year. Um, It was the first place that I. I almost told this story today. I have to say for another day. It was like the first place that I started believing in magic stuff. Because of experiences that happened with Jessa last year at Big Sky Comedy Fest, just things that that you also you told me things last year 
I'm excited to go back. I got a soft spot, soft spot in my heart for Big Sky Comedy Festival. Just uh, always meet cool people. I'm nervous that I won't like the comedians this year as much as I liked last year's comedians because I just they they're all they had so much fun that so I'm looking great. at the roster this year. I'm like, I bet none of you will be my new best friends like <laughs> like Caitlin was, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love I love going to Billings. And it's October, it's fall, it feels so nice. Uh, so, we will be recording some episodes from Billings. We might even get some of these uh, comedians to do some episodes with us or something. And uh, we'll, so we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch, you guys. You can always find us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, all that shit. Patreon, you know the d- drill by now. Uh, we'll catch you next week on Mormon and the Method. If you put a Mormon and a Methad together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessa Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon and the Methad, Mormon and the Methad, Mormon and the Methad. It's a good show.